Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello, and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time, almost 10-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. And that's also where you can find me on social media. So today is one of my favorite shows. As my listeners out there know, I love talking to women who have been impacted by cancer and the fabulous things they have done with it. So my guest today, her name is TJ Hills. She is a financial consultant. She has been impacted by breast cancer. She is an estrogen estrogen researcher, author of an Amazon book, bestseller, sex, drugs, babies, and breast cancer, the health benefits of estrogen testing. She's speaker and so much more. We're going to get into all that today. So TJ, welcome. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Michelle, for that amazing introduction, and thank you very much for having me as your guest. Well, as we were talking before we jumped on here, I, I finished up your book a few days ago, and I learned, like, I, I know a great deal about, you know, estrogen, breast cancer, and things like that, but really your book opened up my eyes to so many things because we get all the things, the lists of things we're supposed to do and not do, but you actually tell us why. And that really makes it so much easier to do whatever steps we need to do because we know why not just do it. So I greatly appreciated that and definitely going to be promoting it to as much as I can to people. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, the, the non-cancer side. Um, well, I am, uh, you know, and I don't say this with pride. I am a super mom par excellence. Um, I have, <laughs> yeah, Hey, own it. <laughs> I have my own business. I run this foundation. I have three children, 21, 16, and 16. And as I was just telling you, one of them wants to be a a student college athlete. So that is a managing his budding career is a full-time job in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, I still... I still manage my financial consultancy and um, have a few other book ideas um, in between giving a lot of speeches. So sure. In um, your spare time. (laughs) In my spare time. And so the one thing I want to say to you and your audience is that the the big difference between me being a super mom pre and post cancer is that when I when I sit down and I have, you know, my I'm still paper, my lists are still on paper. And so, you know, when I start my list. I force myself um, to make sure that I've done my medical care first, to make my appointments, to to get everyone who needs them, their records, to make sure that I am not ignoring in any way, shape or form any part of my health. Um, and so that's like the big difference is that, you know, super mom's first job is to stay alive. Well, and it's and that's interesting. That's interesting. You say that because in the beginning of your book, that's really what you talk about is that you were doing all of these things. You were running your, your business, your family, and you were letting your own health be at the back and you were ignoring symptoms that there was a problem going on, but you just weren't, you were too busy doing everything else and taking care of everyone else and not yourself. So Yes. mm -hmm, And that led, you know, potentially to your cancer diagnosis. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how you found it? 
Um, so, you know, as you said, you know, I was really sick for about, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but 18 to 24 months before I found a lump in my breast, um, which is how most young women, you know, I was um, 43, 43, 44 when, when I found the lump. And um, prior to finding it, I had been extremely tired, which is not my MO. Like I am, I'm like the energizer bunny. Um, and I, so I'd been going to bed really early. I'd been sleeping a lot. I had been like becoming exhausted, which, which was very unusual for me. Um, and I had been bleeding irregularly um, a lot. And so the irregular bleeding was affecting my migraines um, to the point where, you know, it made like running my super mom life really unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right before I was diagnosed, uh, my husband of all people, um, cause he's way worse than me. Um, actually took me to a functional medicine doctor, like up the street who put me on one of the things that I will talk about later, one of the supplements that helps you with your estrogen metabolism. Um, and so, so the reason why I have never dropped this in all of these years is because I am convinced that if I had taken care of myself earlier, and really like prioritize myself earlier, I would have not wound up with stage three cancer or uh, like, you know, could have been a lesser cancer and maybe I wouldn't have even had it at all. So, so that's a mystery that's unsolved, but it does motivate me to keep doing what I do. Sure. So with stage three cancer, um, surgeries, chemo, radiation, what did you go through? Um, I went through three lumpectomies, axillary dissection. Mm-hmm. I, I had a botched surgery, um, which also led to my discovery here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was not able to make it all through chemo completely cause, um, I kept almost dying, yes. um, and, uh, full radiation. And then I have been on hormonal therapy since. So 10 years on tamoxifen and I'm on my two and a half years or whatever of aromatase inhibitor, which I will probably be on for life. The bane of my existence. I'm taking a break from them right now because my knees had gotten so bad. I couldn't even walk up my stairs. So it's, it's hard. Those, the AIs and the side effects for some people are just, they're rough. So, um, it it is really hard. That's, you know, it's very hard. Right. It's, it's all about figuring out the quality of life. It's, it's a hard equation, but let's talk about you and your discovery. So when you were, when you were going through this and when you were diagnosed, you were, you were, you said you were super mom, you were running your own business and how did you transition? And yes, you're still doing the financial stuff, but really needing to go back and like, I'm going to do research on estrogen because I feel like that had a really big part in my process. Like what, what, was the real impetus for you to do that? Because there are other people out there doing it, but you, you kind of took it and ran with it. Well, so what happened, um, the long story is that, so what I do as a financial consultant is I research research. Okay. So I research research and I research data. So, um, that, and I've been doing that for, uh, many, many years, um, successfully. Um, and, what I do is I go out and I find the best researchers. So after the botched surgery, what I did is I started basically interviewing doctors. 
And uh, so I saw every breast cancer surgeon in the city before I chose my second surgeon. I mm -hmm. saw every oncologist in New York City, the breast specialist, before mm -hmm. I had started chemo. Um, and I reached out to every doctor who I'd ever trusted before. So I'm, I had um, long story, but anyway, um, one of my uh, internal medicine doctors referred me to a biochemist um, who had been um, working with the military on nutrigenomics. And so I met um, one of the foremost experts on nutrigenomics at the time when it was really, really um, unheard of. Who had well, until doing... your book, I had never right. heard of. So I'm going to ask exactly. you to give a detailed was, and, description and, of what it is. <laughs> and and back then there was literally, there was only one testing, commercial testing company where it was available. Everything else was in labs. Um, and I met him and then he started me on the discovery of researching estrogen. And I didn't just research estrogen. Uh, you know, when I came out of treatment, you know, after our, my brain recovered, like I have no medical background whatsoever. So the first thing I did was started getting a little more up to speed on, on a body. Mm -hmm. um, and then because I'm in New York city, I did a lot of research on all of the alternative treatments. Um, I don't want to say alternative, let's say adjunct. Okay. So I'd already been through all traditional therapy. Um, I was starting on tamoxifen and my risk odds were poor. And so, you know, because back then I, I didn't qualify for oncotype testing. Right. Um, I was basically told like my risks of recurrence within five years were 30%. Now mm -hmm. that's, that wasn't, it turned out not to be true. It's more like 15, but that was the number I was operating under. So, you know, I investigated cancer vaccines and they were looking at bisphosphonates at the time. Um, I didn't qualify for the trial, but you know, I went through the whole process anyway. I, I looked at stem cell treatments. I looked at all the adjunct things that were happening in New York City. And after doing a huge amount of research, um, the kind that I would do for a client, mm -hmm. um, I concluded that the way forward for me was, was to improve my estrogen health. Okay, now you had mentioned nutrigenomics. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, what is that? So for, for, for the lay people out there, including myself. <laughs> so nutrigenomics is the study of gene expression. So, so it's the study of genes, which are not necessarily inherited, right? I mean, the genes, of course, your genes are your genes, but mutations on those genes may or may not be inherited because you can create damage as you live your life. And mm -hmm. so nutrigenomics is the study of what what influences gene expression for the better or for the worse? So the kinds of genes that are studied in nutrigenomics are not static. It's not like a BRCA gene. It is, you know, for example, metabolism genes. They can be made to function better or they can be made to function worse, depending on your lifestyle, the environment you're living in, the food you're eating, et cetera. So that's yeah. what nutrigenomics is. It's not just this one panel. There's a whole lot of different panels. And the way that I like to think about it in, in terms of what I do is I like to combine, have you heard of pharmacogenomics? Yes, but not enough to define it. So pharmacogenomics is they have panels. And again, these are all metabolism panels where instead of like iterating on a high blood pressure medication, which is common, right? So, you know, the side effects will be intolerable or it won't really work or an antidepressant. Those are the two 
those are the two types of conditions where there's a lot of iteration. You wind up trying three, four drugs. Mm -hmm. um, there's panels now, which basically can tell you how, which drug is going to work the best for you and whether or not you metabolize it. You could, you could be taking on too much of the active ingredients, or you could be taking on not enough to make a difference. Um, and so I like to think of nutrigenomics in that way as well. Like if I put in this addition, how well, how well is this working for me? Sure. Now just a, a complete offshoot question. Is this have something to do with like the, the various SNPs? Um, yes. okay. Cause a I, mutation is called a SNP. Okay, perfect. Cause a few years ago I had done my ancestry, uh, or my DNA with ancestry and for all that. And then I gave it to my nutritionist and she ran this giant panel for me. And unfortunately I do not remember enough of it, but, um, I remember that I'm a very slow caffeine processor. Um, my cannabinoid receptors are fabulous, uh, you know, ver various things. So I, I need to go back and get all of those results, but she was showing me literally the, the charts and she goes, I, I apologize. She goes, you're not going to be able to understand this because I don't know enough about it, but I did read a fabulous book about it. And personally, like I know that I have SNPs in my MTHFR gene, which is literally I, everything on that list I've been through. I'm like, Oh, well, right. there's, re there's reason for these things. Right. And, and, and the interpretation of those panels is getting better and better. Uh -huh. So the research behind and the validity of the research behind those panels is getting better and better, like as we speak. So there's a whole bunch of those out there now. There's even panels where you can take like the results of your 23andMe results uh -huh. and stick it into one of these interpretive panels. Yes. Get, she used the, yeah. she used 23andMe database because it was, right. yeah. And yeah, I need to do it again myself so I can, so they can diagnose or, you know, tell me the lay person that I don't need someone to tell me oh, how to, how to um, figure it out. But now in the book, and you had mentioned previously about, um, so this is all having to do with our metabolism and different things. So what is estrogen metabolism gene testing? So that's basically what I've been promoting. So estrogen metabolism gene testing shows you how well you get rid of excess estrogen. So what that means is that, you know, when you metabolize something, it's coming out in your urine, your sweat and in your feces, like less, mm -hmm. but primarily let's say it's coming out in your urine. And so, so uh, the gene testing will show you how many mutations you have on this panel of genes and, and which, which ones they specifically relate to. And each one of these genes is, is, as you were saying, it's responsible for a lot of things. Like mm -hmm. it's, you know, like the COMT gene, which people are familiar with, which is mm -hmm. called like the stress gene. It's just one of the metabolism genes. These are right. all, these are all metabolism genes. Um, and so it's going to tell you how well or how poorly you are getting rid of excess estrogens in your body because your body is producing. I mean, you're, you you do not want to get rid of everything. Mm -hmm. You want to get rid of excess. Okay. So ideally you're getting rid of the excess and keeping just what you need. Right. Um, and going into menopause is, and for me, like I, I don't want any estrogen in my body because my cancer loved it and I've had it twice. So it's, it's a hard balance. And then the lack of estrogen has caused so many issues in my body that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, but I'm here. And so that's what, that's what I consider important. Um, how, how do we get estrogen, estrogen gene testing? 
So there are a few. So my my standards of what constitutes a, a, a good gene panel that you are actually going to take measures on that may impact your life. Um, um, there's a few companies that make my standards basically that mm -hmm. are in my in my website. So you go to my website, which is betterestrogen.com, and in there, there's a list of testing companies. All of this testing requires some form of medical professional, whether it's a nutritionist or a chiropractor. And some of the testing companies actually offer you a virtual visit. So you can go in, buy it, that their mm -hmm. physician will order for for you their physician will review the results with you um so if you don't have a physician who you can just say hey i want to do this order mm -hmm. it for me you know there's there are those options so and it's a lot it's a lot easier there's probably like a half a dozen um perfect. testing companies up there but and then there's also like what you were talking about now you what, in my opinion you need someone you really trust to do it that way oh definitely what is your website uh, betterestrogen.com. Perfect. And listeners, just so you know, uh, TJ is not getting any financial benefits from these recommendations. It is based on her research and what she feels is best. And that's what she's sharing. It's not, she's, you know, is not profiting from these things and this information. So um, definitely check it out on betterestrogen.com. She, there's multiple tabs on there and you can go and see what, um, you know, which one might look good for you to bring to your physician to order, because definitely I think it's super important for all of us who've been through it. And for those of us out there who, who may not have had cancer, but really want to know about our bodies and how can, how can we hopefully prevent a cancer occurrence? not even just a recurrence. So we are going to take a quick break here. So listeners, please stay with us. If you or your family members need our programs, please go to breastfriends.org to see what we can do for you. You can, it's under patient programs. So check it out and stay with us. We will be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. 
To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Bat at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is TJ Hills, author of Sex, Drugs, Babies, and Breast Cancer, Health Benefits of Estrogen Gene Testing. Now, TJ, before break, we were talking about how to get the estrogen metabolism metabolism gene test. Sorry, my brain is moving faster than my mouth today. So let's talk about where we really are exposed to estrogen. Like what what should we be looking for in what we put in our bodies around our bodies and things like that to make a difference? Uh, okay. Well, there's, um, so women, or or how do we get the most exposure, I guess, from estrogen women, women get their estrogen exposure from two sources. The, the first one, uh, primary one is your ovaries. Okay. So your ovaries produce estradiol because estrogen is a group of hormones. It's not mm-hmm. a hormone. Um, so your ovaries produce estradiol. And when people say estrogen, mostly they're talking about estradiol, which is the strong one. Mm-hmm. And the other place you produce estrogen in your body is in your fat. It's called adipose tissue, actually fat. And um, you produce a much weaker form of estrogen called estriol in your fat. Um, and then you produce a different one, which is specific to pregnancy. So those are the internal ones. And then externally in America, we are exposed to tons and tons of estrogen-like substances, like everywhere, um, in our food, in our water, in our, in our sunscreens, in our cosmetics. Um, and all of that um, adds up to like a drip, drip, drip situation where you are you are taking on extra estrogens. And the most the so I've said the the biggest exposure for last, which is estrogen medications. So so um, birth control pills, which are very weak these days, um, hormone replacement, which has got a wide variety of of that it's referring to like a wide variety of drugs. Um, and uh, infertility medications. And all of those drugs are designed to raise your estradiol level. That is their job. Mm-hmm. So those are the primary sources of where a woman in America are going to get estrogens. I say in America over and over because in in Europe and in other places, the, the food, water, cosmetics, et cetera, are more protected. And I know from your book, you you had the trifecta birth control pills, hormone, re, um, the IVF and the hormone replacement. So you pretty much overloaded your body with estrogen. I, and... I didn't do hormone replacement. Okay. I never sorry. Made it. I never Got made it. it, but I did do, um, in addition to the infertility drugs, I did, um, that's right. Study. The study, the study that I you were in. I mm-hmm. participated in a study and I took Chinese herbs all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, so many things going you know, on right I'm there. I'm infallible. <laughs> Never going to die. Well, and that's what I really appreciated in your book that I mentioned before. This was the first time when someone explained to me why being overweight is bad for you in terms of breast cancer, because that the, that form of the estriol is produced in the, the fat cells. And I was like, okay, that makes more sense now, other than someone just telling me, don't be overweight. Like, I know I shouldn't be overweight, but now I know why. 
So I, that is incredibly helpful. And there definitely was some medical terminology in there that sometimes I did have to stop and look it up, but generally it was a great job for the lay person, which I really appreciate. Well, thank you. And so how does breast cancer risk it's related to our estrogen exposure? So, um, that's super complicated. Um, okay. Dumb uh, it down for me. (laughs) Well, well, first let's just like, let's just say that we're only in this for the purposes of the show talking about garden variety breast cancer, which is breast cancer that's fueled by estrogen and progesterone. Yeah. So that is about roughly 80% of all breast cancers. The rest are going to be genetically related, or there's also like a category of negative, negative breast cancers. Triple negative. It's its own beast. Yeah. Right. And so when you look at like the American Cancer Society or breastcancer.org, when you look at like the lists of established risks, apart from like chemical exposure or genetics. So if you're not living next to a polluted stream or some factory somewhere, or have had some like wildly heavy chemical exposure, all of the risks are somehow estrogen related. And if you back into those, you'll, you can actually go like gene by gene in terms of like, what would improve that um, uh, into like, well, how do we avoid that? So, so what we know, um, so you can't say like, oh, well, you know, if you have too much estrogen exposure, you're going to develop breast cancer. You can't take it. You can't take it that way. What you can take it is the other way. So what they do know categorically through decades of research, um, even before they had these gene tests, Mm -hmm. is that women who have garden variety breast cancer have um, poor estrogen metabolism. And they know also that women, women who have less poor estrogen metabolism are the ones that live longer. So their mortality rate is better. Um, So you can, you can take it backwards, basically. So Mm -hmm. once you have breast cancer, it's like critically important to start examining this. Um, And if you're at high risk for it, um, I don't mean high risk for breast cancer. I mean, high risk for taking on a lot of estrogen. So you take this gene test, your panel comes back with every single mutation, then that means you need to be more careful, not just for breast cancer, but for a bunch of other conditions um, and to keep yourself healthy and in control of your body as much as you can. Um, can medications we take also affect our exposure for estrogen? Sure. So those, those medications specifically, which are the ones we manage our fertility life with, you know, starting out with birth control pills, then if you need help getting pregnant or anything, or if you want to freeze your eggs, um, those are infertility medications, which are the strongest in this trifecta. And then later there's hormone replacement. So the drugs, the drugs are the strongest exposure you're going to get. Yeah. And you know, when you're in your, your late teens or early twenties or whenever you, you think, oh, I'm going to go on birth control pills because I don't want to get pregnant. And then you stay on them for, you know, if I was on them for 20 years before I was like, oh, I'm, I want to have a baby now. And I never even crossed my mind that it could contribute to having too much estrogen in my body. And it, it's scary. Well, you know, birth control pills nowadays, are like a tiny fraction of what they were when I was taking them. So, sure. so they're literally 
like old birth control pills were like 50 milligrams of estradiol mm-hmm. every day. And now like the strongest of them is 20 and, and more like 10. That's so good you're to literally, hear. Yeah. You're literally mm-hmm. talking about like 20%, le- yeah. you know, 80% less of the medication doses, but you know, um, pregnancy has a whole lot of pregnancy has a whole lot of complications in and of itself. Um, and birth control pills, if properly managed are not, are not something that I would say is going to, um, there, there's been like no, no definitive studies like, yes, Mm -hmm. this is going to, this is going to lead to your breast cancer. To me, it's more like a total load. If, if a tiny fraction of all of this is staying in your body over decades, because the biggest, the biggest breast cancer risk is age. And so the way I think about that uh, anecdotally is that, okay, well, if I have a tiny little bit of all these excess estrogens that I'm not excreting properly and they're recirculating in my body and becoming toxic and I'm doing nothing to lower that toxic level, um, then the older I get, the more that's going to build up and contribute to my, my risk. That's the way I think about it. That's not a... Totally makes sense. Now for me, I was diagnosed the first time at 41, which people are being diagnosed younger and younger now. Um, I think for a plethora of reasons, but it's, it's, and so presumably I don't metabolize my estrogen well, because I had a new primary occurrence in my other breast while I was even on tamoxifen. So for me, it would definitely benefit me to get one of these tests to know for going forward, I imagine. Well, I don't, I am going to take since you brought it up, I am going to take the time to be a tiny bit technical. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so if you take the estrogen metabolism pathway, right, it has two primary arms. Here we go. <laughs> tamoxifen, like so, so tamoxifen is treating, basically blocking the estrogen receptor, which is one of the pathways. So, so like really simplistically, let's say these two pathways are leading to your urine, right? What, you know, this is wrong. I mean, (laughs) for any biochemist out there, I am aware that I'm, what I'm saying is wrong, but like simplistically, sure. Um, you know, tamoxifen and the aromatase inhibitors, they are treating one of those pathways. And it's been amazingly successful. You know, the reason we live longer past that five years is primarily because of the tamoxifen and the aromatase inhibitors. Mm -hmm. On the other side, that's where the metabolism is. That's where what I'm talking about in the genes that I'm talking about, the detoxification or the metabolic pathways that are not treated are Mm -hmm. running and this is really the research where that's why I decided this is robust enough. And this has been going on for decades. This is, this is what I'm going to use as my adjunct treatment. Um, so, so, that's, you know, that's, that's why I think for breast cancer survivors, this is super helpful because what you're doing is you're improving that one pathway that the drugs aren't taking care of. Yeah. See, no one has ever said that to me before. I had no idea. So Thank you. I mean, I hate that you went through it, but thank you for doing it and finding all this information. Now, how you, we've talked about IVF treatments before, how do those medications give can possibly lead to too much estrogen in our bodies as well? So, um, like I said, you know, birth control pills now are nominal, 
Um, and hormone replacement is hard to measure because there's so many different drugs. There's literally like dozens and dozens and dozens of drugs plus supplements. But infertility drugs are measured, right? Because the objective of an infertility drug is to dramatically raise your estradiol level so that you produce more than a single egg in mm -hmm. a single cycle. So you're potentially raising your estradiol levels from like, let's say uh, 50 to 3000. Let's say the top of your cycle is like 200 and you're trying to get 3000, 4000, like to raise it that high so you can make more eggs in a single cycle. Okay. So if you're not um, metabolizing that properly afterward, or you don't become pregnant because, you know, the dirty little secret behind um, IVF is that it's not that successful, particularly for older women. Um, right. So if you don't become pregnant, because pregnancy essentially changes your entire chemistry. Um, it, it's, it's just a whole chemical change. Um, then, you know, you're, you're looking at the possibility that some of those drugs have not been excreted properly. So if you're not doing anything to get them out of your body, then they have the potential to recirculate. Yeah. And, you know, and cancer loves that. So now you had mentioned it's hard to uh, calculate for hormone replacement therapy, but it is incredibly common in women after menopause because the menopause symptoms suck. Let's just put it out yes. there. Um, yeah. But the statistics, I believe you said 44% of women have used it, but so that's, that's kind of hard to quantify in this equation. Um, well, yeah, because there's so many different drugs, right? So for example, it like real pharmaceutical drugs, that's not even estrogen, right? That, those are fake estrogens, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yes, I mean, if people were actually monitoring, I mean, the, the, the way you can monitor IVF is because they actually monitor you sometimes daily, they're, they're actually monitoring you. Mm -hmm. um, people aren't doing that in when you're taking hormone replacement. Now, look, hormone replacement is a beautiful thing, right? You're not just talking about the, the symptoms that you can feel that are incredibly unpleasant. You're also talking about the state of your heart and your bones and your sanity. And <laughs> um, like, there's a whole lot of benefits to being on hormone replacement. For sake of the argument, let's just say bioidentical hormone replacement. Um, because there's other complications with the drugs that have nothing to do with breast cancer. Um, and, and so my, my thought about all of these drugs is get the test because you should be on hormone replacement, right? If you come back with a panel and it's got no mutations or it's got one or two SNPs out of, you know, a possibility of 24, then go for it, you know, like take your hormone replacement, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and for cancer survivors, you know, there's a game the, there's a game that my oncologists play with me. So, you know, so for example, I will take um, vaginal estriol mm -hmm. and I'll yes. play around with it and then, you know, get measured here and there, but because, because I need to walk. Yes. Oh, I, I've you know. used it as well. It definitely is. It is, it has helped me quite a bit. And, yeah. you know, so, so, you know, it's not like, you're not completely removing it. You don't have to completely remove it. And, and, you know, you can't take, like the studies are very conflated. Mm -hmm. The studies are very, very conflated. So it's, it's difficult to go through. Um, the doctors are all in disagreement about this. And so my thought is get the test 
and use it like a pharmacogenomic test. Use it to say, okay, I, you know, I'm having horrible menopause, menopausal symptoms, because you're mm -hmm. in menopause forever, right? Right. I mean, you're in menopause for the next for the rest years. of your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and and take it, right? So, like, I mean, I think like if everybody took this test, you'd actually have way more women going back on hormone replacement of some form or another because they'd feel more confident about it. Oh, definitely. And obviously getting these, these test results and going over them with your, your team to help, you know, figure them out and what is best for you is definitely highly recommended. Um, and again, betterestrogen.com, correct? Yes. Where we can find all those things. Perfect. I want to really quick ask about, you talked about the, in regards to IVF, the, you know, we're trying to produce more eggs in a, at a single time, but what about our like ovarian life cycle? Like I, I believe as we get older, you know, we're, we have a finite number of eggs. We're born with all the eggs that we're going to have. How does that change over the course of our lifetime or what so, happens to our, our eggs over the course of our lifetime? So you're born with a certain amount of eggs, right? And literally they're in decline from birth. So, um, and in the old days, meaning my days, right? <laughs> you would say, basically you are, the probability of you getting, because it's not just that the the eggs aren't there or that there's fewer of them, it's that the quality of them is declining. So what that means is you might you might still be dropping an egg every month, but mm -hmm. that egg is not going to be sustainable to make an embryo which can embed in your uterine lining and make a pregnancy and last, right? It's gonna it's gonna be decayed. Um, and so oh, that's in so the old, sad. <laughs> yeah, in the old days. You know, you could say that the decaying, right, was really in steep decline at 35, right? Okay. And I think most people know this, like, mm -hmm. you know, you're pretty much quote unquote done at 35, right? Or it's going to become that much more difficult unless, you know, you've got a family history of having babies at 50 or, sure. or you're on your eighth child already. Um, so what's happening now though, is that the ovarian life cycle is moving down. So this is caught, like, I, I'm really concerned about this because what that means is that, you know, more and more women, there's been a lot of papers on this, um, an increasing percentage of women, it's like, depending on the research, it's between 10 and 20% of women that are being researched. So God knows how much the actual number is, mm -hmm. are, are getting are, are being done, like the egg is declining more at like 31, 32. And I think that's gonna, that comes as a shock for most people. Oh, because, definitely. Yeah, because women are getting old, women are getting married older. Let's just mm -hmm. stay within the bounds of the nuclear family here. They're getting married older. Um, and the other thing that's happening is that everything we're talking about is also happening to men. So the quality of men's sperm is also on the decline. So you've got like this conflation of poor sperm quality and poor egg quality. And then, you know, a couple's 30 years old and they're like, you know, shocked, which might lead them to have IVF. Right. Which again, um, puts our estrogen completely out of whack. Right. So I'm, I'm suggesting that everybody get this test, like at their first OBGYN visit. Mm -hmm. So they know, you know, they can kind of in their head start planning. 
Yeah. I, I just kind of jumping back my own personal antidote. Like I'm an incredibly lucky random scenario. I was on birth control pills for 20 years of, or some sort pills ring, whatever, and went off them before my wedding. Cause I knew I wanted to have a child of my own and I got pregnant in six weeks at age 39. Like what the hell? Like I'm incredible. And I have a perfect child, incredibly thankful, but I know that is not the, the, not the norm. Well, it, yeah, but you know, sometimes what they do is they put women on the birth control pill as the first step of a fertility treatment to jumpstart, because mm -hmm. like the theory behind that is you suppress, you suppress the cycle. And then when someone comes off of it, they're going to like maybe make more eggs. That's the theory, right? Got it. And so that first month or two of mm -hmm. coming off the pill is like uh, considered to be a fertility treatment. Well, it definitely worked for me. Oh, so yeah. congratulations. <laughs> I'm very lucky. So we are going to take another short break. Listeners, please stay with us. If you would like to be my guest or share your warrior story with me, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is TJ Hills, author of, oh, I'm going to mess it up again, Sex, Drugs, Babies, and Breast Cancer, the Health Benefits of estrogen gene testing. So we've been talking a lot about the estrogen and what it does in our bodies, but TJ, let's talk about how women can improve their estrogen health overall. Um, well, that's a good topic, um, <laughs> because that, that is the end game here. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, if let's, let's just assume you've had your estrogen gene test and you have mutations on every single, on every single gene, um, because I hate making recommendations to, 
that people might consider when they haven't taken the test. So let's just assume that you've got mutations on every single gene and you need to improve every single. So the first, probably the most important thing um, that, that people should be taking um, is a substance called DIM um, or indole-3-carbonyl, which is basically um, the active ingredient in what's the mustard family. So broccoli, cauliflower, mustard, um, dandelions, co collard greens. The active ingredient in there is the most important substance for, for that will help get the estrogen going out in the urine. That's the most important thing. The, the second thing in, in terms of supplements that are recommended once you have a test is um, just an omega. A lot of people are taking that and a really strong antioxidant. I, for one, I just take like really high doses of vitamin C. I've experimented mm -hmm. with a lot of stuff. I think it's just the simplest. Um, and, and then assuming you have mutations, right? And certainly for breast cancer survivors, you have to decide like how careful you want to be about everything we're confronted with in America. So hormones in our food, because you're actually ingesting it, super important. So, you know, drinking milk, eating cheese, buying meat that is specifically without hormones is a really good first step. Mm -hmm. um, eggs, same thing, you know, so, so those are the easy things. Um, and then our skincare, um, one of the, one of the things that I like to do is like just a quick and dirty is just buy things that are made in Europe and they have to actually, it can't be European brands. They actually, cause a lot of the big brands, they have factories in New Jersey. They have to, you have to actually get it made in Europe because all of the stuff is banned. So all of the, yeah, cause their rules are know. a lot more stringent than ours. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's like a quick and dirty thing. And you know, there are plenty of cheap European cosmetics. Um, like there's no reason for that. It's just easier, right. If you add some of these things in, um, same thing for, for sunscreen. Um, I think, um, laundry detergent is another big one. Um, mm -hmm. what you're putting in your dishwasher, what you, because it sticks to your plates, right. So then you're ingesting yeah. it. Um, huge thing is to not microwave plastic. So like literally take the Trader Joe's frozen rice out of the plastic bag and all of those other packs where it's like, oh, stick it in the microwave for three minutes. Just take it out and stick it in a glass bowl. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, if you invest a lot of time up front, so for example, there, the environmental working group has an app where you can see the toxicity of every single product. Mm. Um, once, once you pick a, a laundry detergent, you just stick with that. So it's like an investment up front. Um, mm -hmm. like sometimes what I do is I try and go to Trader Joe's because a lot of their products will be hormone free. Yep. Um, because this can get really expensive. So, so what I'm suggesting is that instead of spending more money, you just spend a little time up front, kind of figure out your brands. Mm -hmm. and then go from there. The other thing that's really important, especially for breast cancer survivors is a water filter. Because of what is just coming from our standard tap water? On our pipes. Right. Okay. Because, you know, I mean, technically, if you want to get into the technicalities of it, what's happening is that, um, oh, huge thing for breast cancer survivors, no pesticides on the lawn. Yes. Huge mm -hmm. thing, right? Like I, I actually did, I actually got that one from an oncologist. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I live basically in a swamp. 
and it wasn't the pesticides it was the mosquito control and he's like you're using what and i'm like oh, da, da, da. You know? so now i spray garlic you know garlic and, and my, and my and vinegar like did crap. you mention vinegar uh i use vinegar like on dandelion like it actually okay. spray vinegar to kill the mm -hmm. weeds like on like directly on them um and then garlic for the mosquito spray and my lawn generally look, looks like crap that's you know the trade-offs <laughs> yes um because like so so the water is because what you're getting is like runoff runoff from everybody right. else's pesticides into mm -hmm. the water and even if they filter it really good it's not getting everything out so so you know this i just gave like this huge list and that's why i really think people ought to get the test because you can go crazy with this and you can get fearful with it and my objective in promoting this is to remove the fear so well, you're you moving the fear. what you're controlling and you know where you're getting the exposure and you're doing what you can to lessen it not to increase it well definitely and you're removing the fear though by giving science so that that is what is super important in the research that you've done because you know there's there's so many things out there we're like oh we don't know about this we don't know about that but by getting this test you're actually getting the science of how to keep your health in a good place and your estrogen um, you know, moving through your body. I want to jump really quick back to dim. Um, is that, and you mentioned that it's in various foods that we can eat, but is a supplement better? Because I imagine that in the foods, it might not be enough for what we need. So, you know, the, the supplement is the equivalent of eating a room full of broccoli every day. <laughs> which you which you cannot reasonably cannot do, physically right? do mm -hmm. right you can't physically do like uh you know if you are you know so if you don't really have any mutations you haven't had a ton of exposure you're just generally interested in being healthy um you know sure just try and incorporate a little more food from the mustard family into your life but if you're a breast cancer survivor that's not going to cut it you know, you need to be working on that other pathway that the tamoxifen and the aromatase inhibitors aren't going to cut. So, so take the supplement. But I say that with like, get the test because you don't want to, you don't want to commit to a supplement. And then it turns out that you don't have the mutations on, on CYP 1A1, 1B1 or 3A4. Got it. You know, now, that's, you know, that's a big commitment. Oh, huge. And, but it's a commitment to our life. So that's what's important. Now, how did you personally change your lifestyle after doing all of this research and dealing with estrogen in your body? Um, by doing all the things that I'm talking about in stages. Okay. So, you know, I, 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 after my first botch surgery, I made it my business to get the very best doctors I could. And so, you know, in many, in many cases, it was doctors telling me like, you got to stop using pesticides. Did you get the water filter yet? Um, which, you know, I realized that most people aren't getting that advice. Um, no. and so, you know, over time I made these changes, um, to, to improve and, you know, and it kind of like helps that I want to make sure my kids aren't getting polluted. Right. You know, so, so so a lot of the changes i made around food and water and etc were not just for myself but for my children mm -hmm. because then once you know how polluted the food is it, it gets kind of scary yeah but it really has opened your eyes and 
can, you know, change the way you live. And by what you're doing, you're hopefully helping others out there who can, you know, work on this test. So what is coming up? What is next for you? What are you working on? Um, well, right now I am just doing a lot of interviewing um, and going, speaking, speaking to women's groups, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few books on the back burner that, you know, I will, Don't we all? <laughs> I will painfully, I will painfully address when I, when I get there, but, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping to do less financial consulting and more of my non-for-profit work. Well, I definitely appreciate that. Now we've talked about the, the getting the test and promoting um, and watching the pesticides and all the things. Is there anything that we missed out on talking about that can really promote better estrogen health? Well, apart from keeping a low BMI, um, okay. you know, I really struggle with that. Um, but it is important, you know, like, so um, for breast cancer survivors, right? Mm-hmm. For breast cancer survivors in particular, because you don't want to be, um, you don't want to be producing more and more estrogen from your own fat, because then sure. in some cases you're negating your treatment you're negating the validity of all these other things you're doing. Sure. Completely makes sense. Again, can you please tell our listeners how they can find and follow you? And I know you have videos and things like that as well. So um, my website is betterestrogen.com or .org. um, And I have a LinkedIn channel and I have a YouTube channel, both under TJ Hills. Perfect. And your book is available on Amazon. My book is available Mm -hmm. on Amazon. It's sex, drugs, babies, and breast cancer, the health benefits of estrogen gene testing. Perfect. And it was great because I actually got it on my Kindle and I, uh, it's a quick read. And I was actually telling TJ that I, I wished it was longer because it was just so informative and the way you weave the, the science in with your personal really hit home for me. So I appreciated that. Thank you. Thank you. It's very kind. So listeners, definitely go check out betterestrogen.org and look at these tests, talk to your doctors, and it will definitely improve um, your estrogen health. So again, listeners, thank you for being here today. TJ, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, Greatly appreciated. And we're definitely going to hope keep promoting this out there to help women going forward. Thank you for having me. Yes. So listeners, if you would like to be my guest or submit your story, email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. You can find our show on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also watch the videos on the Breast Friends YouTube channel. So, oh, excuse me. Uh, If you would like to make a donation to Breast Friends to ensure that no one goes through cancer alone, you can do it on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444. We will be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.